You may be seated. (laughs) When you think about all of the ways that we've advanced in our communication with each other, it's really impressive. I don't know, how many people's phone numbers do you have committed to memory? Probably little or very, very few. Now, nowadays, all we have to do is click a button or swipe on the screen and we get into contact with whoever we want at a moment's notice. And there's no apologies needed for that. It's been a blessing and a great improvement to the way that we communicate with people. But for all of our advancement, we never will get beyond the simple clasping of hands together, the bowing of our heads and the closing of our eyes as we communicate and talk with God in prayer. Emerson said that prayer is communication on earth about the highest things in heaven. Another man said prayer is not so much about getting our will done in heaven as it is about getting God's will done on earth. Someone else has said prayer is not about wrestling the reluctance out of God's hands, but tapping into God's willingness to help us and to act. When you read throughout the Bible, there are no spiritual giants that are mentioned in Scripture who weren't given over to the discipline of regular prayer. Daniel 6 and verse 10, we're told Daniel faced toward Jerusalem three times every day. David said, evening, morning and at noon will I pray and cry out to God. Psalm 55 and verse 17. Hannah in 1 Samuel 1 and verse 27 says concerning the birth of Samuel for this child, I prayed and John. And all of his great preaching and baptizing was known as someone who not only prayed himself, but also taught his disciples to pray. Luke 5.33 and Luke 11 and verse 1. Jesus is our greatest example and what it means to have a rich and deep prayer life. He taught his disciples to pray and he's known mainly for his prayer and what we call the model prayer. Matthew 6, Luke chapter 11. And we're not going to unpack that prayer tonight, but I want you to think about some of the things that Jesus says in the model prayer or really his wording throughout the model prayer. It's our father. And our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses and lead us not into temptation, though Jesus was teaching us about the simplicity of prayer and about the things we should approach God with and for and how to do it. He also was teaching in that moment that prayer is not just about ourselves. And so as we think about what it means to be people of prayer is to say the Bible says many things about prayer and what we should do with it. We should pray for those that are in power. First Timothy two, one through four. We should pray for our enemies. Matthew five forty four. But we should also pray for one another. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Six times or six different ways in which we need to be praying for each other as the family of God. What I want to do is make this very simple. I've got six points. And I timed it out to three minutes a point for my 18 minute Devo, but I forfeited two in the introduction. But that's okay. We'll make it up somewhere. Six points. And I really want to give you just one major verse for each point, just one verse and one occasion on when we need to be praying for each other. And then we'll extend heaven's invitation and go into our song service for tonight. Number one, we need to pray for one another in times when we are growing. In times when we're growing, Acts 2 and verse 42 is the verse. So after the disciples preached the gospel on that first Pentecost following Jesus's resurrection, Acts 2:42 says they devoted themselves or they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine, in the fellowship, in the breaking of bread. And the last thing Luke mentions in verse 42 of Acts 2 is and in the prayers, they devoted themselves to prayer. That was prayer, obviously, to God, but also for and with one another. We need to pray for one another as we're growing. Just think about the occasion in Acts chapter 2. These people had just become Christians. They had just been converted. And no doubt they needed to learn how to pray. They needed to pray in a new way. They had been to synagogue their entire lives. But now, for the very first time, they would be praying in the name of Jesus or by his authority. 
Those new converts needed to be prayed for, that they would continue to develop and to grow. And though the apostles had the miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit that in no way made them omniscient, they needed prayers as well. And so we should pray for one another as we're growing. Pray, prayer for each other as we grow, as we develop as Christians, will keep us from becoming frustrated with others who we don't believe are growing as fast as we would like them to, and for ourselves as we're on the spiritual journey of growth together. Some of you may disagree with this, but there really is no science behind this. They say that what plants need to live and thrive and survive is sun, they need watering, and they need mineral nutrients. But some people believe, and you may be in this camp tonight, some people believe plants will grow if you would talk to them. Now, listen, they can't prove that. Some people just believe that if you talk to them, they'll grow. That may very well be the case. The research is still out on that to confirm it. But this is what we do know. Christians always grow when we talk about them to God. When you carry other people before the throne of God, it always makes a difference. And as we seek to grow together, we need to pray for one another as we do. Pray for each other to grow and develop and be the people that God would have us to be. But here's number two. We need to pray for one another in times of hardship and persecution. The verse is Acts 12 and verse 5. Peter and James have been arrested by Herod and James was killed and put to the sword. Acts 12 and verse 5 says, but the church was making prayers without ceasing on Peter's behalf. And Acts 12 and verse 12, it says that they were gathered in Mary's house and the whole church was united together in prayer on Peter's behalf and for his release. We need to pray for one another in times of hardship and persecution. There hasn't been a prayer prayed today that I can recall that didn't mention the situation in the Ukraine and rightfully so for the people in general, but for brethren specifically as individuals are undergoing hardship and difficulty. We need to be praying for one another as we face difficulties. Two things were for certain in the first century church. There would be persecution and the apostles and the disciples would pray their way through it. In Acts chapter 4, as they were persecuted, they were beaten, and James, and excuse me, John and Peter were told not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. They got together with the disciples. Acts 4, 29 down through 31, and they prayed to God. They quoted Psalms, and they prayed to God to give them the courage and the strength to withstand, and it was delivered. And we need the same thing. We may Across the world and see other Christians suffering in ways that we're not. And we may think, well, there really needs to be no prayers for persecution here. But there may be people among us that are being severely persecuted. Think about people that are being marginalized in their families because they become members of the church. They become Christians. Think about people who are the only ones on their jobs that are Christians. And because of that, they struggle to fit in. And we need to be praying that they are able to provide for their families while also not compromising their faith. Think about people in college who are searching God and trying to be the best that they can be for the kingdom's sake, while at the same time not being ostracized by their peers. We need to pray for one another in times of persecution and in times of difficulty, that we don't surrender our faith, but that we would build one another up and be the people that God would have us to be, praying that we won't let go and that we won't retreat, but instead that we would join arm in arm and help one another toward the goal. They prayed for Peter's release. They prayed for one another in times of hardship and persecution. And we need to do the same thing. Now, here's number three. We need to pray for one another as it relates to evangelistic opportunities. The passage is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 1. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, Paul says, Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and that it might be glorified just like it has been with you. 
We talk a lot about evangelism and we need evangelistic materials and evangelistic methods. But included in all of that needs to be this idea that all of our evangelism is saturated with prayer, but not just prayer for ourselves, but prayers for one another. We should be praying for each other as we other individuals that we want to reach out to, but also other individuals in this congregation who are engaged in Bible studies. We should be praying that those things go well. People that are thinking about having the hard conversations with family members who differ with them about religious beliefs. We need to be praying for them that those things will go well. Paul was often requesting prayers on behalf of his work and those that he worked with as it related to their evangelistic efforts. And we need to pray for one another in this very same regard. All of us have known the struggle of wanting to say something to someone, becoming spiritually tongue tied in the moment because we're afraid, because we're timid. And we should pray for each other concerning boldness. Paul requested it for himself in Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. We should pray for open doors, not just for ourselves, but collectively. Colossians 4, 3 through 4, as the Christians were told in Colossae, Paul said, pray for me that doors might be open. We should pray that for ourselves. We should pray that when the opportunity comes for evangelism, that we would capitalize in the right way, that we wouldn't let prejudice or timidity or pride or self-righteousness or any of those things be a barrier to us. That we would be the people that God would have us to be. We need to pray for one another as we grow. Pray for each other in times of persecution and difficulty. Pray for each other concerning evangelism. But here's the fourth one tonight. We need to pray for each other when we fail. The verse is James 5 and verse 16. James says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. We need to pray for one another when we fail. You know, sometimes this can happen during the invitation. It's a shame that sometimes the invitation is viewed like the principal's office, pretty much. Imagine walking by the principal's office and you see a child in there, you see a friend in there, you say, well, they must be in trouble. And you just assume that they've done the wrong thing, but they may be in there because they're not feeling well or they're being given some award or they're going home early. But we often may assume the worst. And so it is sometimes with the request for prayers concerning failure and sin. But what if we change it? What if we change the culture and our mindset toward people who need our prayers because of a sin issue and they're not requesting prayers merely because they're weak, but because they're strong and they desire more strength as a result. We need to pray for one another when we fail or else we'll become silent and shackled concerning our own unrighteousness and our own weaknesses. And we will rob ourselves of the great blessing and privilege that prayer can be because we all will be there. We all will be where Simon the sorcerer found himself in Acts chapter 8 as he struggled. And he told Peter in Acts 8, 24, pray for me that the things you've said won't happen to me. We will make mistakes. We will fall short. And the biblical pattern is when we sin, we need to confess to God to make restitution where it's possible to turn away from that transgression. But also to throw ourselves on the mercy of God's family and say, would you pray for me? Yes, this is a private sin. I haven't made the nightly news, but I've tried to battle this for a long time on my own. I've been unsuccessful. And I believe James 516. I believe that the prayers of righteous people avail much or has great power as it's working. And when we fail, we don't need anybody to say, oh, it's you again. We need people who say, I believe in you and this mistake won't define you and you can do better. That's not who you are. You had a momentary lapse, but that doesn't define you. You commit occasional acts of sin, but you're not a habitual sinner. We won't let you live in the dumps. You're with us. And we need to do what James says and pray for one another in those times as well. Number five, 
we need to pray for one another regularly. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 25. 1 Thessalonians 5:25. Now in this chapter there are some famous statements of prayer, pray without ceasing in verse 17. And everything giving thanks in verse 18. And then in verse 25, Paul just says, brethren, pray for us. The question is, pray for us about what? Paul doesn't say, but that's the point. Brethren, pray for us just means keep me in prayer. And we need to pray for one another regularly. Whether there's a need or not, if we only pray for each other when we're in trouble, we're already in trouble. We shouldn't wait till something bad happens. What if you did this? What if you just prayed through the directory? You took five Christians a week and you prayed for one of them each day. And then you just moved down after that and you prayed for the next five individuals in the church directory. And you just prayed for the Christians. We need to pray for one another regularly and we need to wait for an occasion to come up where that's the case. Because we all live in a fallen world. We're all doing the very best that we can to please Jesus Christ. And we're all striving for the same goal. And so we need regular prayers on our behalf by our brethren And we need to just be praying for one another all the time. You know, sometimes it's not our weakness, but it's someone else's and we need to pray for them. There was this practice and it's in professional football as well. But in high school, when I played high school football, if someone was hurt, even on the other team, we would stop the game. We would get on the knee. And if it was a severe injury, we didn't know what was happening. There was this idea of taking off the helmet and just hoping that everything was right with someone else. It wasn't you that was hurt, but you were so concerned about their welfare and their well-being. That you put things in your life, the game momentarily on hold in concern for them. So it is with our lives. Prayer isn't a selfish blessing to be hoarded by us, but it's one to help and to extend toward other people that are in need as well. Here's the last one tonight, and it's in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. We need to pray for one another completely. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, this may very well be one of the most comprehensive prayers in all the Bible. Paul says, I pray to God that your whole body, soul, and spirit be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He includes everything about the individual. And he says, I'm hoping the best for you. You might write right in the margin of that, 3 John verse 2, where John says about Gaius, Beloved, I'm praying that all may be well with you and that your whole, that your soul may prosper even as your body does or as you prosper in physical things. We need to pray for one another completely. What does it mean to pray that a person's whole body, soul and spirit be preserved blameless? It's to pray that they would endure to the end, that they would be faithful Christians until the very end. But not only that, that everything in their life would go well. And we need to pray those kind of prayers for each other. I pray that everything in your business goes just the way you want. I pray that everything in your schooling and in your marriage and in your life goes just the way that you desire it. And that is in consistency with the will of God. And when it doesn't, that you have the spiritual stamina to withstand and you're not broken by the hardships of life. Paul prayed for the Thessalonians to be completely whole and in in so doing that they would get across the finish line in Jesus Christ. In Romans 12 and verse 12, that's been read for us tonight. We're to rejoice in hope, to be patient in tribulation and to continue steadfastly in prayer. You know, a few years ago, this idea of thoughts and prayers was kind of ridiculed by certain individuals in the news and in the media. There was this idea that thoughts and prayers don't do much and we need to stop saying that and put some action behind what we say and what we do. And it's not enough to say when a tragedy happens or when there's the brink of war in our world just for Christians to verbalize thoughts and prayers or we're going to keep it in prayer. It's sort of a weak sentiment. And while the Bible does teach that there are occasions when our prayers must be coupled with action. Prayer is not something that we do in place of help. Prayer is help. 
prayer taps into the greatest resource of help that humanity can lay hold of, and that's God himself, and we usher in divine aid, and we all need it. This lesson tonight has not been meant to say it's wrong to pray for ourselves, but it's wrong to pray only for ourselves, and so we should pray for one another. Maybe tonight someone needs the prayers of their brethren as we prepare to extend the Lord's invitation. Maybe life's been giving you a hard time. Maybe you've been struggling with some sin or some weakness and you would like the prayers of the church here. We'd be happy and would love to pray on your behalf, just like James says that we should. Maybe tonight someone desires to obey the gospel and put Jesus on in baptism. In so doing, you would be an answer to our prayers as we often pray for people in our community and in our area to obey the gospel and turn to Jesus Christ. If we can help you in any way, we're going to stand and sing a song of encouragement. Come now as together we stand and as we sing.